All right, let's see. Romans chapter number 14 this evening. Turn with us. Romans chapter number 14. We are still in our study of being biblically distinct. We're looking at the Baptist acrostic. And as we've said already, the letter B is the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. The letter A is the autonomy of the local church. Uh, The letter P was the priesthood of the believer. The letter T, the first one there is two ordinances, and that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Tonight we'll look at the fifth letter, which is I, and that stands for individual soul liberty. So look with me in Romans chapter 14. We'll start reading in verse number 5, and then we'll get into the message. Romans 14, verse number 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end... Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We'll leave off reading there, and we're going to talk about individual soul liberty. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful for the privilege to gather in this place. Thank you for these who've come out tonight. Lord, we think of the many unable to be with us for a variety of different reasons. Lord, you know um, every heart, uh, you know every need. I pray that you would uh, uh, deal accordingly with us as you see fit and lord in your mercy and long suffering we pray forgive us where we've failed you and i pray that you would open our hearts and minds tonight as we look into your word and you would uh, by your precious holy spirit speak to us this evening and help us in these doctrinal matters that are so vital in the day in which we live lord as certainly we do love you and we do thank you and we give you all the honor glory and praise in jesus name we ask these things Amen. Amen. Individual soul liberty means that every individual, if you're here tonight, raise your hand. If you haven't figured it out yet, raise your hand anyway. If you raised your hand, you are an individual. Every individual, whether a believer or an unbeliever, individual soul liberty now, whether you're a believer of Christ or an unbeliever, You have the freedom to choose what your conscience deems right in the realm of serving God. However, you are not free from the responsibility or consequences of your actions and choices. I will say it this way. I have the freedom, I have the liberty to choose that I will never ever again brush my teeth. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I said it, but... 
I have the liberty. I have the freedom to choose that. I'm never ever going to brush my teeth again. That does not free me from the consequences that at some point my teeth are going to fall out and nobody's going to want to be around me anyway. If you don't believe me, just try it and see how quick I vanish when you don't brush your teeth for a while. This liberty is not a justification for disobeying God. The believer must still act according to to the principles of Scriptures. Now, I want you to know tonight, most denominations, most religious groups attempt to exercise control over their membership to some extent. However, Baptists limit such control by demanding that every believer is ultimately responsible to God. Hear that again. Every believer is ultimately responsible to God. Not to me, not to Brother Robert, not to Brother Richard, to God. Ultimately, we are responsible to God. It says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. See, individuals, we have the right. Now, now I, you, it's 2024, but you need to hear this tonight. Individuals have the right to disagree with each other. Yeah, just go out here and try it. <laughs> See what happens. You get uh, just about crucified for having an opinion that goes against them. Uh, you know the the mind of the population. But we have the right to disagree with others. We have the right to follow our own conscience. We have the right to not feel forced to adopt any view that we disagree with. Now, that does not suggest that every believer, that you and I, all of a sudden become this lone wolf, that, aha, we have liberty and freedom, and we don't have to submit to anybody. We don't have to submit to anything. That's wrong. That certainly is wrong. And we certainly do have a uh, framework of rules and uh, precepts to live by. But soul liberty simply says that every believer has the right to act in accordance with their own conscience and that no one can force anyone to believe or act against their will. Let me illustrate this for you tonight. You are free to come to this church. You're not forced to attend. There is no law on the books that says if you live at such and such address that this is the church you have to come to. You're not forced to attend. You're free to come. I wasn't uh, at your house this afternoon with a taser saying, Get in the car! (laughs) You're free to come to church. Wait a minute. You're free to trust Christ. You're not tortured to believe. You're free to give uh, uh, as the Lord leads you, not robbed. Sorry, Brother Robert. I know you had a plan for the offering tonight, but he was going to hold everybody upside down. Brother Dennis told me this morning, he said, could you just make an announcement that everybody that gives, if you give by check, if you would just write your name, if you'd sign your name to the check, Brother Dennis will fill in the rest. Now, that's what he said. That's what he said this morning. I said, "Well, I'll do one better. How about they all just give us their account information, and we'll just every week take out what we think would be right." 
No, you're free to give. I don't stand up here and demand that anybody give. And thank God for that. We don't have to. We give willingly and we give cheerfully. We're not to be forced now to do that. We're not to be robbed. Hey, you're free to believe what God says. Not brainwashed. I don't care who tells you that. Now, wait a minute. Our brains ought be washed by the water of the Word of God. Here's, let me give you another one. You're free to worship God. Nobody whipping you or waterboarding you. You're, you're free to worship. You're free to serve the Lord and others. You're not enslaved. Freedom. You're free to follow the Lord. Wait a minute. You're not free to fracture the fellowship of this assembly to force your agenda instead of following in the Lord's footsteps. Look with me at Romans chapter 14, verse number 13. There's a whole lot of people stop at verse number 12, but there's still some more verses there. Verse number 13, Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. With that being said, let me give you another one of these freedoms. Don't, don't take this one literally in the moment. But you realize tonight you're also free to leave. You're not locked up. If you get out before Robert puts the chains on the doors. Anyway, but no, you're, you're free to come. You're free to leave. You're free to serve, you're free to give, you're free to worship. You're not free to fracture the assembly, though. Revelation uh, 22.17 tells us, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, listen to the verse, let him take the water of life freely. It does not say bring your own. It says let him take the water of life freely. See, again, and what I'm saying in all of this, we are free to disagree. But we are not biblically now free to cause division or destruction for selfish means. Individual soul liberty does not override the Bible as our final authority, it does not override the autonomy of the local church as we submit to Christ, the head of the church. Meaning, we have the freedom to choose for ourselves, but not the freedom to control others, and we must stay within the confines of the will of God. Let me go back to that giving one for a minute, because i got a good story for you. When I was a kid, we... We we had joined, uh, the, my parents had joined this church and this was before I got saved and it was, it turned out to be the church that I was saved in and I'm thankful for that. But uh, as we were, we started going to that church and my dad decided that's the church that we as a family were going to join and, and so my mom and dad did whatever they needed to do. I don't know what they did, but uh, uh, they joined the church, you know, so haha, we're all part of the church and um and one of the uh, deacons had come up to my dad and he gives him this little cardboard box. And in that box was, uh, was envelopes. And uh, like you see there in the, in the pew there in, in front of you, 
And uh, so there was a box and it had tithe envelopes and there were, there were 52 of them, numbered 1 to 52. And it had on there my mom and dad's name and our address. And I still remember the address. That was a long time ago. But uh, how many of you still, still remember? Sorry, squirrel. How many of you still remember your childhood phone number? How many of you had a childhood that you can remember now? I'm kidding. So they gave they gave my dad this little box of envelopes, and so we were going, and and uh, I I didn't know of any of this at the time. My dad told me this years later when it would stick, and uh, and uh, so we had been going there for a while, and come to find out every week, whatever week of the year it was, that was the number of envelope that he was supposed to, you know, put his tithe in and, and put there in the church. Well, um, according to time, as, 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 as uh, it came to pass, that's a biblical statement, my dad got laid off from work. Now all of a sudden, you know, there was no money coming in. And so there was a week that no money went out. And I'll never forget it. Monday evening. We had been in church on Sunday. I couldn't believe Dennis went there. No. I knew I knew him from somewhere. Man, I wish he was here tonight too. But, uh, and, and there was the deacon. And my dad's like, well, well, yeah, hey, what? We were in church. What's going on? Something wrong? No, he said, I've just come to, you know, you didn't put your envelope in the offering plate yesterday. And so for the next uh, how many ever minutes, because I left the room, but uh, I could hear my dad wherever room I was in. My dad was giving that guy what for about uh, what the Bible says about giving, you know, and it's it's my personal choice to give, and you're not going to force me to give, and if you are going to force me to give, I'm going to force you to get in your car, and you know, and you'll never see us again, you know, type thing. And, and so there was that there was that level there of a an attempt of of controlling. Don't worry, Dennis has asked me if he could come to your house, but I won't let him. <laughs> let me give you another story about that. So Brother Dennis went to see Brother Wayne when Brother Wayne was over in Covington. And that's what Brother Wayne said, did you come to collect my tithe? <laughs> and so, you know. <laughs> uh, we, look, I... I do not want, it is not my agenda to force you to do anything. Just like it's not God's agenda to force you to do anything. Now we have the clear truth of Scripture and we have the Holy Spirit of God that works upon our heart to guide us in the right way, but it's still our free choice. If we don't want it, we, look, you can't make your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your friends, your Sisters, your co-workers, you can't make other people trust Christ because they have individual soul liberty. But that does not free them from the truth that they will stand before God and give an answer for whether why they believed or why they didn't. So we have the freedom to choose for ourselves. We don't have the freedom to control others. We must stay within the confines of the will of God. And of all the Baptist distinctives, 
this issue of soul liberty is probably one the one that's filled with the most difficulty, the most discrepancy, and the most disagreement. And you say, why? Because believers are often quick to judge, to criticize, and to levy mandates where they're not, they're not biblical and they're not practical, but for some reason they get done anyway. Now hear me. Now you have individual soul liberty, so you don't have to listen. But I'm asking you to, if you would, in the moment. The church's responsibility is to clearly preach, teach, and present the Scriptures in truth for the purpose of helping people to realize their need to turn to, submit to, and obey God. That's what we're here for. That being said, we do not threaten, bully, intimidate, or force people to follow God. People should desire to live godly lives because they're freely convinced that they ought to do so. What, what did we say uh, there? It's been a couple of weeks ago, but um, rules without a relationship breeds rebellion. You, you, can, you know what? When you have the right relationship with God, everything just seems to click into place. If you don't have the right relationship with God, boy, you'll bristle and stiffen and be stiff-necked against everything. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, the Bible says godliness with contentment, not coercion. It says contentment is great gain. Romans 14 and verse 5, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Verse 10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And verse 12, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The Bible is abundantly clear, especially in the New Testament, that everyone is responsible for him, himself or herself before God, and that we are to persuade rather than punish regarding religious views and positions. You go back in history and you will not find that there was ever a Baptist Inquisition. It's not there. Why? Individual soul liberty. Free choice, not forced compliance, has always been the biblical way. That said, let's look at the matter of the limitations, the implications, and the corruptions of this matter of individual soul liberty. And again, this is not an exhaustive uh, study here tonight, but it should <clears throat> help us along. Number one tonight is the limitations. There are some limits to individual soul liberty, just as there are limits to the liberty that you have as an American citizen. The One fellow said it this way, um, your right, your liberty to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. So, you know, we, we have liberty to act in a certain way, to live in a certain way that doesn't harm others. So individual soul liberty, the limitations, it's never a justification for disobeying the true teaching of Scripture. 
Now, a person may choose to disobey, but soul liberty does not justify that disobedience. Liberty is not a license to sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Galatians 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.13 For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 16 Not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. That's probably my second favorite right behind the if your hair falls out of your head, you are bald. That we saw this morning. That... <laughs> There's just some statements in the Word of God that are just like, wow, that that one's a good one. Not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Individual soul liberty does not mean that you're free to make your own rules, but that you have the freedom to live by God's leading. For believers, as part of the body of Christ, we have an obligation We have an obligation to give to and gain from that body that we're a part of. Individual soul liberty does not nullify our attachment to or assembly with the local church. There is that, boy, this arising thing in our day. I don't have to go to church. You know, I'm saved. I don't have to go to church. I have the, you know what? You have the right to choose not to go. But you're in violation of what the Word of God says. And you'll have to give an account for that. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I encourage you to come to church. I don't force you. Not going to force you. Well, I don't want you sitting here. You're already looking at me weird enough. I don't need the evil, the really evil stares. Force you to come? No, we want you to come. We we encourage folks to come. Individual soul liberty, it guides and guards our interactions with one another. See, we encourage others and we work to convince others, but we do not force and we do not restrain. Individual soul liberty demands that we be free to hold our own standards and preferences even when they differ from others. However, never forget that all must still be based squarely on clear biblical truth rather than on feelings. So there are some limitations now, this matter of soul liberty. Number two, let's consider the implications. What does it mean? Well, it means believers are free to choose their deeds and doctrines according to their conscience as directed by the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and godly teachers. We must allow for differing levels, catch this now, we must allow for differing levels of spiritual maturity, opinion, and conviction because we are all at differing levels of spiritual growth. It's foolish to force an artificial uniformity because that breeds hypocrisy. But liberty does not excuse disobedience. 
We cannot forsake the clear teaching of Scripture by appealing to our freedom of conscience because our conscience should submit to biblical authority. We're reminded in Romans 14.10 again, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Our ultimate and final accountability is to God Himself. You don't have to answer to the preacher. You don't have to answer to your parents. You don't have to answer to your boss for the ultimate accountability that is God. That doesn't negate all the other areas of accountability, but it should cause us to be a little more careful in our action and attitude. Can can I say that verse again? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you, standing before that judgment seat of Christ, I sure am glad that I'm saved. I sure am glad that my sins have been washed away. I sure am glad that I won't have to endure the wrath of God for my sin that Jesus died for on the cross of Calvary. I'm glad for the righteousness imputed to my account, but I'm still accountable to God for what did I do with what He gave me. That's why that story, uh, that parable uh, in the Gospels that Jesus tells of the ones who are given talents and what do they do? See, you can use your talent for the Lord or you can wrap it up and bury it. But you're going to give an account for what you did with what the Lord gave you. The implication is that proper exercise of soul liberty requires a strong personal relationship with the Lord. What did Jesus say? If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The closer we walk with Christ and the cleaner we are in the sight of God, again, not because of our righteousness, but because of His righteousness and His Holy Spirit working in our lives, making that change that we ourselves cannot make. It's because when we're walking closer, when we're living cleaner, we'll see this liberty much, much clearer. Number three. Let's get to the good stuff because that's what you all have been waiting for. The corruptions of individual soul liberty. The corruption. Got a few of them for you tonight. One way that individual soul liberty is corrupted is when people see themselves as not subject to any kind of discipline, teaching, or judgment. We live in a judge not, judge not, judge not. That's what everybody says. The Bible says judge not. Yeah, and it says a whole lot after that too. It says judge with righteous judgment. It says that we ought, you know, that what we judge with there is what we will be judged by. There are all sorts of things given to us in the Word of God about this matter of judgment. But yet everybody, it seems, uh, in this day, they're free from accountability to anybody. They're free to live however they want with no consequence. Wrong. Wrong. There are consequences for every action you take. Don't believe me? Just stop breathing. Just be it's your your free choice. Just choose to stop breathing. What's going to happen? 
Well, you should live, right? You're free to live and do what you want. Uh Uh-uh, you deprive that body of oxygen. You're going to be on the floor here soon. That'll be cool because then we'll get to get the AED out and zap you back to life. Boy, that'll be great. Brother Larry, we'll let you push the button. When it says zap, you just push the button and it'll go. Uh, Who cares? We get to use it. This idea, (laughs) y'all pray for Miss Jean. She has some vendetta against Brother Robert. She's always volunteering him for the really bad things. Y'all pray for Brother Robert that he'll have strength to endure all of that. But uh, (laughs) individual soul liberty. When we decide that we're above discipline, that we're above teaching, that we're above any kind of judgment, we corrupt this matter of individual soul liberty. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. You'll remember this we from our uh, two ordinances when we talk about the Lord's Supper. In First Corinthians 11:28, the Bible says, but let a man examine himself. And in verse 31, it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What we find are there are many who develop a, well, it's just me and my Bible, and that's all I'm going to leave. You know, it's just me and my Bible, and whatever I see in there and whatever I think, that's what I'm going to do. And they have that attitude, and they refuse to acknowledge anyone else's helpful influence. Or, wait a minute, here's a, you say, well, that's not me. I'm, I'm willing to listen to counsel and all that, all right? Maybe this one will catch you. There are many who have that, you know, shovel it over the shoulder. That message was for somebody else. But the problem is, now, and I'm not saying that there aren't times where you'll hear something and the Lord will put somebody on your heart and you'll be like, wow, you know, they, this could really be of help, you know, to that person. I'm not saying that. But if... And, and I've, I've unfortunately known people like this. If every time uh, you hear the preaching of the Word of God, it's always for somebody else, there's a chance that you've corrupted this matter of individual soul liberty because you say, well, I don't need it. Everything in the Bible I've already got figured out. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, When we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Let me tell you tonight, if we would remember our accountability to God, we would pay attention to God's warnings and corrections before we end up wrecking our lives. Could somebody please go back and tell that to 30-year-old me? Get in your little time box or whatever, and you and Marty McFly, on back you go. We must submit to God and to His Word, and to biblical spiritual leadership from the pastors and the teachers and the other mentors that God places in our lives. Now, wait a minute. We have the freedom to refuse, but we're not free from the consequences of refusing. Another corruption of individual soul liberty happens when we neglect our responsibility to encourage and admonish one another in grace and truth. If you and I think that we have no right or or we have no responsibility to help a fellow believer, 
we will never confront them about their sin. And if we won't, that's neither showing grace nor truth. We ought to speak the truth in love. We ought to be very careful uh, when we do so, but we ought to realize that, yes, we have the responsibility and we have the right to approach another about sin in their life. Liberty does not negate our duty towards other believers. And again, we must prayerfully and compassionately discern that we're confronting someone over a genuine sin, not for selfish gain. That's where some more of the trouble comes in with individual soul liberty. You know, if if I see someone that's uh, not walking in the direction that they ought walk with the Lord, then I have a responsibility to talk to that person, to pray for that person, to seek to help that person. However, if I see someone who's not walking in the will of Jeff, I just need to keep the old yapper shut. Put that right down there for all of us tonight. Remember, we must prayerfully, compassionately uh, approach this topic. A third corruption of individual soul liberty occurs when we become unconcerned about our testimony. Hear it tonight, to care little about what others see and think of us. Now that not ought to be our priority. Our first and utmost priority ought be that we want to be pleasing to the Father. That we want to live for His honor and His glory. But for you and for me to care little about what others see and think of us will lead to us being poor examples, wait a minute, and even powerful obstacles. I've heard people, they, they have told me this, uh, different, different folks over the years have made comments like this. Well, I know so-and-so, and they say that they're a Christian. And if they're a Christian, I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You have liberty to live how you choose, but again, when you corrupt your soul liberty, you'll become unconcerned about your testimony It doesn't just affect you. It affects others as well. Remember now, our liberty in Christ is freedom from sin. Thank God for that. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. Our liberty is freedom from sin, not liberty to sin or foolishness to cause others to sin. We should do nothing that would cause a weaker believer to stumble or be offended. Romans 14, verse 13. Judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What is he saying? We've said it before. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. There are times where you're going to have to exercise some discernment. You know what? 
You might be at a different level in your spiritual life where those things uh, uh, don't have the attraction for you. They don't uh, cause you to stumble and don't cause you to slip. But you're with someone else who is younger in the faith, who is uh, still growing uh, to a higher level spiritually, and and mm, you're with, and they struggle with that. You're an absolute fool if you say, "Hey, let's go do this," that they struggle with. Just because you don't. And we have to now, we have to consider others. A fourth corruption of individual soul liberty occurs when churches allow false teaching and heretical practices to exist in the church without properly addressing them. Now, now hear me tonight. We all have individual soul liberty. We, we all have the freedom now to come to the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that indwells you as a believer indwells me as a believer. And we have the same Word of God. And so we have the same teacher. However, there are times where, you know what, we might see things a little differently. It, it happens. But we have to be careful that we do not open the floodgate for false teaching and heresy in the church. And if we don't, as a collective body, establish a common set of beliefs for the members to agree to adhere to, then the church will soon degenerate to the point where there's no agreement on any form of doctrine. Let me take you back to the phone call I had not too long ago. And the whole argument in that phone call was that I told the guy that he was more than welcome to come, but he could keep his opinion about this certain thing to himself, to which he said, well, I'm going to tell everybody what I believe because it's the truth. I said, then mm, you're going to have a pretty hard time here. Because I'm here to tell you tonight, it's my responsibility as pastor of this church to protect the flock that is God's. This is not my flock. This belongs to Jesus Christ. And I have to stand and account for the flock. And here was the thing, and I could not get this across to this fellow, and he just couldn't see it. Well, if I let you come in and talk about that, what else can come in and be talked about? You say, well, that was just a, a minor thing. That's always how it starts, with the minor thing. You know that break in the dam that holds back all that water? The dam doesn't just fall over, you know, in one fell swoop. It's usually there's a little crack and a little water starts to seep through. And then a little more and a little more and a little more. And then finally, boom, here it comes. Members should subscribe to and support the biblical doctrinal statement of the church. I mean, that's why we join together, because we're of like faith. But we don't just support the doctrinal statement. We ought to stand in defense against those who don't. Here's why it's important. Acts chapter number 20, verse 29. Acts chapter number 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, 
not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Jude 1 chapter verses 3 and 4. Ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not against anyone asking me questions on any matter. Please hear that tonight. I am not against uh, talking with people and even mm, having people here in our church that may not uh, line up with us exactly on everything that we line up on. But those disagreements can't become the teaching platform of the church body. Let me give you another example. We had a fellow that was coming here, and he came regular. Some of you might remember. Um, maybe you do, maybe you don't. When I tell you the end of the story, maybe you will. And he used to sit uh, back there in, in the back. He came like on Sunday nights sometimes, come on Wednesday nights. And he came back. Boy, he was all in the service. Boy, he was locked in. I'd be preaching. He'd be back there waving at me. He'd be boy, singing his heart out and all of that. And he came for quite some time until one night. He met me back in the foyer and said, Hey, preacher, um, I need to know uh, what your position is on speaking in tongues. I said, uh, if I'm... I said, you go ahead and tell me what you think that means and I'm pretty sure I'm going to disagree with you on this matter of speaking in tongues. I said, it's not gibberish. It's not, oh, it's a heavenly language. And that's what he said to me. I said, no, it's not. It, it, can, can, I, can I help you tonight? If you're speaking something that you yourself don't understand, how do you know what you're saying and who put it in your mind to say it? Stand up there and yabba dabba do and Shana Wana Honda and all of that stuff. How do you know that you're not pronouncing a curse over the people of the church? I'm telling you right now, that is not decent and it's not in order. And the Bible speaks much about what tongues actually is. It's known languages. But, you know, all of a sudden, when you read in Acts, you find it says that they stood and preached and it said, and every man heard in his own tongue had more to do with the hearing than the talking. But I do know a fellow, I know a missionary uh, who was a missionary to Mongolia. They say Mongolian language is the about the hardest language in the world to learn. And he was an older fellow when he went on the mission field uh, there to Mongolia. And he was going to be a missionary to the lepers of Mongolia. I met this fellow. He's just a phenomenal man. Uh, Thanks be to God. He'd tell you that. He learned the Mongolian language and was fluent in it in under 12 months. Now, only God's going to do that. Well, I, I'm 53 and still can't speak English. <laughs> and he learned one of the hardest languages in all of the world, you know, in under a year. Fluent. Well, that's God's touch. 
on there. Well, anyway, back to this fellow. So he's back there. And what do you think? And I said, well, and he said, no, no, you can't tell me. He said, are you going to tell me? That's what he said. Cross arms like that. Are you going to tell me then that my mom who speaks in tongues and he adds to it that my mom who speaks in tongues and sees visions is lying to me? I said, I'm going to tell you this. I said, I'm going to say it this way. Either your mom is lying or the Bible. I'm going to side with the Word of God. Well, then he gets mad. And I, I'm trying, I really was trying to be nice. Some of you all were out there when this was going on. And this is the point you'll remember it because then he got loud. And now he wants to get, and so basically it really turned into, I will show you the door. And uh, in, it was loud enough to where some of you who were here just scattered for cover. And, <laughs> and again, I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to be harsh, but that junk is not going to be tolerated. And we have an obligation to stand for the truth of the Word of God. And I'm not going to be some sort of, uh, mm, I don't know, limp-wristed, uh, mm, say nothing, and let things steamroll on in here and take over the church. We're going to stand for the truth. Amen. need some folks to stand and fight for the Lord. I don't make any apology for that. I, I don't want to be mean to people. I don't want to be harsh to people. But bless God, we've got some doctrine that we better stand for because if we don't, the generation coming behind is lost. They'll be completely lost. Now, that said, we're not going to force anyone to believe like we do. Again, I said that I can't. But we're going to preach the truth and we're going to stand for the truth and we will help those who choose to refuse and contend against it. Listen to this. We'll help anyone we can. But those who refuse and those who want to resist and, and make no... Uh, they, they do not want to hear at all. Here's what we will help them do. We will help them find the door and they can find some place that suits them. And we do that so that our fellowship and our faith is not destroyed. Amen. Let me close with this. One of the perceived difficulties of this Christian life is to balance our personal standards, convictions, and doctrinal views with those held by the assembly, by the church. On one hand, we see that individual believers are responsible for their own selves before God, and we are. And as such, we're free to develop our own personal set of beliefs and standards. And I'll be the first to say amen. When it comes to beliefs, when it comes to standards, when it's uh, not specifically spelled out in black and white in the Word of God, you, you are free now to make your choice on what you believe. I'm not going to force my standards on you. I'm not going to force my preferences on you. You're not going to force yours on me. We have that liberty. But on the other hand, we as believers should be united as members 
of the local church in agreement with the doctrine and practices of the local church. So what we see then is we have to harmonize our individual liberty with the parameters of the assembly so that individual and corporate beliefs agree based on the Word of God and the leading of Christ. That's where we are. Individual soul liberty. If you want to buy a car next week, you don't have to get my permission. Now, I'll help you pray about it and see if that's the right choice if you want me to. And if you have a question about something, I'd be glad to talk with you about those. But please, don't, don't expect me to rule your life. I, I told you before, I have a hard enough time taking care of the person that looks back at me in the mirror. I just want us all, let's just walk together following the Lord until He comes. And just help as many as we can along the way with grace and truth.